Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Mark chapter 10, the Bible says this in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. This is the first time that a rabbi had been addressed as a good rabbi or a good teacher in the essence of being pure. And it's the first time that Jesus has been addressed as such as well. And he responds in that light. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't you know them? Give me some of them. Some of you are like, I have no idea. Actually, I've never heard these before in my life. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So he begins to recite the, these commandments. Do not murder, do not, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, right? All of those are actually in your legal code today. All of those are illegal, much less, you know, uh, sin against God. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, this young man says, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. There's always that, there's always that guy that says, oh, I already do that, right? You try to redirect them, try to teach them something, try to enlighten them in some, some particular path. I'm like, oh, I've been doing that. I already do that. The moment they say that, know that they're the ones that need to hear it the most. I'm already doing that. Mm, okay. And Jesus, looking at him, Loved him. It's interesting. Jesus doesn't come back with a snide remark. He doesn't come back with, with sarcasm. It's probably what I would have done. Probably would have been passive aggressive in some way. Um, and he says, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. I want to just insert here for you to think about. There are many theologians that actually believe that this was Paul, the apostle. And the reason why I want you to think about that is because uh, I'm not saying that that, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. What I'm saying is, is it does speak to the potential that this young man carried. And verse 22 says, disheartened by the saying. Only one other place in Scripture where we see this word disheartened. And it's in reference to, it's in reference to the clouds um, breaking away from a storm. And it's, it's in reference to a, uh, a wrestling in the heavenlies. And Jesus sees the wrestling in his face in this moment. Do I go after Jesus with everything? Do I fully surrender? Or do I keep what I have? And it, he didn't answer lightly. He didn't make a, a quick, this wasn't a quick response that he make, made. He was contemplative. He was considering his options. And the Bible says, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful. In verse 23, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed by his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, of, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And they were exceedingly astonished and said, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus responded and said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I'm going to speak to us, probably teach more tonight if that's okay. On this thought, your problem was surrender. Your problem was surrender. If you have a pen or a pencil, I want to encourage you, if you're taking notes on your, your phone, to write that down. If you've been a guest in this house, you've probably received a pen and a journal for the purpose of journaling what the Lord would say to you in moments like this. And I want to encourage you to utilize that. Someone said, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day. And we believe that in moments like this, we're not just speaking about God, but for God. And I believe that the Lord is speaking even now and has been speaking to hearts in this house. So let's tune in. Can you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that the riches that you offer are far greater than the riches of this earth. Lord, we thank you that we exchange the life of this world for the exchange of the eternal life. There is no comparison. I pray, Father, there won't be one individual in this house who will walk away sorrowful when presented with the opportunity for absolute surrender to you tonight. Holy Spirit, speak directly to our hearts. Go beyond, beyond our minds and into our conscience, Lord. Speak to our spirit, Father, and cause us to be doers of this word and not hearers only. Amen. Your problem with surrender. Listen, I understand having trust issues, um, uh, even abandonment issues. I've had some bad relationships throughout the course of my life where people, um, my students are in the house, I've shared with them where uh, particular people have uh, ghosted me before. Like that's the term that the kids use, right? It wasn't the term we used, but I've been ghosted before. That creates all kinds of problems and issues when it comes to trust. Anybody else been ghosted before? Anybody else been broke up with besides me? Uh, liar. Uh, not just in relationships, right, but also just trusting people, you know? My brother's crazy. Like, my brother's literally crazy. Give me a second, Mom. She's like, what? I'm going to. I love my brother, but he's crazy. I can remember one time I was, uh, I was riding my four-wheeler, and he was riding his four-wheeler. He has a very large four-wheeler. His was a, like a 250. And I was on an 80, and I was probably like 10 or 11. And uh, I was coming around. We had this large field with a pond. And uh, we were doing these ramps and all this kind of stuff. And I would go on the ramps, but I wouldn't jump them. You know what I mean? I'd, we'd, you know, just ride with the, you know, you ride with it. You don't, like, jump over. My brother's like, you know, he's doing stupid stuff, wrecked so many four-wheelers. If you got on the back with him, you were an idiot, right? And I learned that firsthand. And sometimes you weren't even safe if you weren't on the back. I was just driving, and he hit me head on. I was, like, passed out, switching by the pond, inches from death. He busted his foiler up, busted my foiler up. Um, and, and so you grow up with people like that, you tend to have a little bit of distrust. I don't know if I want to ride with you or not. Like, talk about ride or die. It's going to be die. Like, it's death involved here, right? And so, you know, this is a lot of times our problem when it comes to, when it comes to, to, to allowing somebody else to lead, right? There's got to be trust. And we see in this story 
this is a young, the Bible, the Bible says that he's a rich young ruler, right? And so he's, 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 um, he's probably, you know, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Um, and so he was like really well educated and he was young and probably really good looking. Everybody knew who he was. He was probably like the, the Tom Brady of his day. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good, like, celebrity preacher today. Uh, where's Kobe? Who we got? Like, just, I love you. <laughs> Matt Wilson. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so, so, like, you know, like the Rich Wilkerson's or the Judah, Judah Smith's or the, uh, the Chad Veach's, right? Like, these celebrity preachers that, that like got it going on in a lot of ways, right? I'm talking about they've got the fit. Like, it's, this is like who they're modeling after. This is who they're following. This is where their inspiration, their style inspiration, you know, comes from is this guy. He's the rich, young ruler, okay? Uh, not only does he have, have a, a wealth, and at this time in, among, the, among the Hebrew world, if you were a wealthy person, it indicated that you had great favor from God. He was, he was it. Right? Like you would know his name. Okay? Definitely the main character. Main character of energy, main character vibes. Rich young ruler. And what's crazy is this man who has all of this, this, um, all of this, uh, this, this esteem, right? Not just wealth, right? But also power. He's a ruler, young ruler, right? He also has power. Uh, and so not only does he have, not only is he a member of the Sanhedrin, right? Not only do the Hebrew, Hebrew people know, know who he is, the Sadducees and Pharisees know about this guy, right? And so he's willing to come to Jesus in the middle of the day when everybody can see it, right? Which is really interesting because the other members of the Sanhedrin would come at night if they were going to honor him. The other Pharisees were afraid to do it in the daylight, right? Remember Joseph of Arimathea who helped Jesus off the cross and put him in the tomb, right? Who was a secret Christian until he died, right? Remember Nicodemus who met with Jesus at night, who was also a member of the Sanhedrin, right? But not this guy. This guy had enough uh, humility about him, right? And sincerity that he runs, the scripture says, to where Jesus is and said, I know that you hold the answer to eternal life, and I want to know what that answer is, right? And here's something that you need to understand about this Jesus that we serve, okay? The Jesus that we serve is, the Jesus that we serve is God, and this God that we serve has asked that you and I approach him and speak to him as Father, he says, when you go to pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And he wants to make sure that in all of the revelation of who he is that we find in Scripture, which is a part of, uh, of growing in maturity in Christ, is learning about his attributes. And you can't know his attributes apart from his word. And in his word, he gives you glimpses, glimpses of his character and glimpses of his attributes. Right. But not just the not not just not only does he want to give you his his attributes of his goodness and of his kindness and his tender mercies and his love towards you. Right. And so but he also wants a relationship. And so he says, when you speak to me. Don't say. Father God. Well, I guess you could say Father God. Uh, that makes sense. But that's like a, I grew up in this church where the assemblies of God kind of, that's everybody said Father God a thousand times when they prayed. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Oh, dear Father God, we love you, Father God. You are everything, Father God, right? And so, but he's, he's so, yeah. So they, he's, he's like, look, drop the God part. Not that he's not God, but he says, I want you to approach me as Father. Man, that's important. It's important that, that you break through the ritual of religion, right? And see that the God that we're talking about and the God that we read about on the pages of, this script, of, of these scriptures, the pages of these scriptures that reveal his attributes, the pages of these, this 
this book that, uh, that, that has this, this wonder work, working power within it that causes you to be transformed into his likeness just by reading it, right? It's this miracle, this, this book that, that, that works. Jessica said tonight that it's alive, right? It's a living word that changes you from the inside out just by reading it if you read it with the proper lens. Because you can read it with, through the lens of religion. And you can check off the box. Some of you guys are trying to read the Bible through in 30 days. Like, you're an idiot. Okay, like, what benefit is that? I'm just kidding. Like, I started, I, I want to encourage you to do that. And so, uh, you know, you can read through Scripture. You can read your Bible through in a year. Check off the boxes, right? But that can all become rote, right? Like, it can become something that you just do. You check off the box, right? You can come to church. You can check off the religious box. And this is the danger for a lot of us because this is where we walk because we've been doing this so long that, that it is, has become just something we do and it's something that we're a part of, right? It's a danger of being in this too long without seeing him properly through the lens of Father. We have a, such a hard time with, with our Father or with receiving, you know, Scripture that says, by His stripes we are healed, right? And that's one thing when I read it from the perspective and the lens of religion. But it's a whole nother when I read it through the lens of what my Father has said to me. Do you hear me? When my father says, by my stripes. It's one thing when a random joke, but when my father says it, it's one thing when it's, it's, it's just a scripture reading in a service and we're just going through the motions, but when my father says it. And I know that some of us have a hard time seeing God as a, as a father or a proper father when we haven't had a proper father ourselves, right? But understand that this father truly is a good father. And this father is the father that has approved you, that has formed you from the foundation of the world, that he has set your path in motion. And although, you, although your earthly father may have played a part, a small part in you being here, long before, before your earthly father ever arrived, God had you in mind. You may, somebody said you may have come from your, through your earthly father and your earthly mother, but you come from God. <laughs> and so there is a God whose idea was you. And you are here because of Jehovah God. Amen? And so and this God is bent on loving you and having a relationship. Having a relationship with you. Uh, January 3rd was a year uh, since my father passed away. And after he passed away, we had to work through something called the will. You know what I'm talking about? And in the will, he began to lay out where all the stuff was going. Right? And, and so the tractor is going here, right? The golf cart, which he sold, before, it's a long story. The golf cart is going here, and the, this truck is going here, and the broke-down truck is going here, and, you know, this is going here, and this amount is going here, and this amount is going. And so do you know, like, do you know how we knew who was getting what and what he had? It was in the will. And this is what you have to understand about your father is he has a will but you can never claim what he has for you unless you open it up you can never lay hold of healing and wholeness unless you understand that healing and wholeness was purchased excuse me at calvary for you amen and so not only can you not know it, but so when I was trying to execute as the executor of the state, I had to have my authority papers, right? And so everywhere I went, if I had to, because you, you had to close out bank accounts and you had to switch, uh, open up estate accounts and, and you had to transfer this out of, out of dad's name and into my brother's name or my name, mostly my brother's name. That's another story. That um, uh, you could not do that without your uh, power 
of attorney papers. And that's the first thing they would ask. Do you have your power of attorney papers? Right? And I want you to understand and know tonight that everything in the kingdom that is for you has to be fought for. It's already been won, but it's got to be enforced, and it's enforced through your power papers, the power of attorney. And it's right here in the word of God. Amen. That's so good. Sometimes I get really excited about what I'm preaching because I'm hearing it for the first time too, and I don't know, maybe that was more for me than it was for you. And so I want you to understand that as we, as we begin to, to dive into this text, understand the very purpose is for relationship. This is Jesus who's coming, and the Bible says that he looked at this young, hip ruler with love. Why? Because he, he wants the best for him. Oh, he's got a, he knew who he was. <laughs> he knew he was from the foundation of the earth. He knew what God's plans were for him. Do you know that God knows the plans that he has for you? But do you know that God's plans don't mean a hill of beans for you if you don't make a decision to follow his plans? God may have plans, but his plans rest on and depend on your decision to say yes to his plans. But I'm not going to say yes to, to crazy Uncle Eddie who rides really fast on the 250, right? Like, I got to trust him. And this young ruler is faced with a decision. In the middle of the day, Jesus asks him, there's one thing. He didn't say that to Nicodemus. He didn't say that to Joseph of Arimathea. He didn't say it to, any, he didn't say it to, he didn't say it to, to, to Moses. He didn't say it to Noah. He didn't say it to any of the rich patriarchs of the Old Testament. But he said it to this man. Why did he say it to this man? Because this man, although he had kept all of the commandments, right, there was still an issue of his heart. And what does he say? He goes through all of the commandments, and he says, I've done that. Remember Jesus' response? Why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father. And he says, I've done all that. What is he saying? I'm good. I'm like you. I'm good too. But Jesus says there's none good but the Father. What is Jesus saying? You can't go to church enough to have salvation. You can't keep enough of the commandments. You can add from the 10. You can add 10 and you can add 20 and you can add 100 and you can add 150. And you still can't perform enough for eternal life. Because it's not for you to work. It's not for you to work out. You can't show up to church enough. You can't read the Bible. You can't shred fast enough. You can't read it enough through the course of a year. I know people in the room that read the Bible twice in a year. They do it with shred and then they do it with their devotional reading. It's a flex but it gets you nowhere in the kingdom. It doesn't cause you to earn favor, and it doesn't make you righteous. You'll get some revelation. You'll learn. You'll be inspired, but it doesn't make you righteous. So the first thing that this rich young ruler stumbled over, and the first thing that prevented him from surrendering, surrendering is he thought he was in control. He thought it was up to him to decide, to will out, and to work out. He thought he had done it all already. And I just want to remind you tonight, it's not about your do-good. It's not about your scripture memorization. Because some of you have already discounted yourself because you know good, well, good and well you can't keep the commandments. You can't keep them if you tried. And some of y'all don't try. And some of you disqualify yourself because you know full well that you're not qualified. And here, here we see Jesus reminding the rich young ruler, this isn't something you can work out yourself. But it's a gift that you can receive. You can't get it yourself, but you can receive it. I, uh, 
I went to uh, to watch the Bengals on Sunday. Who day? <laughs> you are lame. Uh, and uh, when you go up to the gate. When you go up to the gate, if you're going to walk through the gate, you got to have something, right? I went uh, actually on a Sunday night too. I want to talk about that one. I went on a Sunday night with Tia. <clears throat> uh, Monday, no, it was Monday night football. Yeah, it was a Monday night game when there was death, but resurrection because you know the Lord is true. And Jessica was like, "In the name of Jesus," from section three thirty, which is all really close to heaven. Uh, we were heaving and hoeing by the time we got there. <sighs> we got up to the gate, and I was able to produce a ticket, but I didn't pay for it. I couldn't have paid for it. It was a gift. Can I ask you? Here's a this is a, a self-check. Imagine with me. Just give me your attention for a second here. All right? If you're distracted, if your neighbor's distracted, just get him with your elbow. Imagine you're standing before God right now. And he's asking you, why should I allow you to enter into this great kingdom, talking of heaven? What have you done? And what have you, why do you deserve? Don't answer out loud, but what's your response? I've tried really hard. I love you, Jesus. I go to church every chance I get. I've kept the commandments. I sing the songs. I work in ministry. I'm called to preach. I'm a good evangelist. I tell people about your love and your goodness. I'm kind to my mom. I do my homework. I've got a good job. I tithe. Can I just remind you that that's exactly how the young ruler approached Jesus? And Jesus' response is, it's not enough. Because it's not your works. Because it's not your role. That was his first mistake. He didn't understand his role. You are not God, and you do not get to decide. But he has made a decision for you. He made a decision that while we were yet sinners, that God sent his son, that he would die for us. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And if God is asking you, why should you be allowed into heaven? Your proper response is, I shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I can't be good enough, and I couldn't do it right, and I messed up time and time again, and I wanted to be perfect, and I, and I loved you, but I failed you time and time again. But I am here because of the blood of Jesus Christ that makes me righteous. It's not what I've done, but it's what he did. It's not what I could do, but it's what he already did for me. It's because of the blood of Jesus I can enter in into that great kingdom. It's not my attendance. It's not my do-good. It's not how well I can maintain the Ten Commandments. It's not whether or not I can honor my mother and my father. It's because he loved me so much that he died for me. Oh, he loved me so much that he took my unrighteousness upon himself. He loved me so much that he made his righteousness my righteousness. But the young ruler didn't understand it and he thought it was up to him and he forgot his role. Amen. Why don't you surrender? I think a lot of times it's because we're like the young ruler and we think we think that we we're in control. We misunderstand our role. Amen. And Ariel said it earlier. Who's closest to God?
Oh, the one that recognizes. Oh, my righteousness is but filthy rags, and I am unworthy. I am unworthy. And the more that I learn of myself, I don't know, uh, I don't know what your uh, intrapersonal IQ is. But throughout the course of life and throughout life's events and circumstances, you're going to find out that you are not a good person. And that you have the potential for all kinds of evil. And maybe you've not, you've not come across that bridge yet, but it'll come. Provided certain events and circumstances, it'll come. And you'll find out that your righteousness really is as filthy rags. And why are we here accepted by the beloved? Because he was rejected. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus looks at him with love. And he says, one thing that you lack. This isn't Jesus again being cynical. This is Jesus offering him an opportunity. And he points to his idols. And he says, go and sell all that you have. The Bible says that he had great wealth. And I think that his problem is a lot of our problem in the kingdom. We really want to be popular. What's our problem with surrender? Really, we really like affirmation. We really want people around us to think we're special. We really like to acquire things, trinkets and stuff. And we're convinced that if we give him our yes, we won't have our stuff. If we give Jesus our yes, then maybe we'll be a reject. Maybe we won't be liked. Maybe we'll be lonely. Maybe he'll call us to a life of celibacy. Maybe we'll be paupers. Maybe life will be miserable. That's your problem with surrender. I'll have to stop having sex. I'll have to stop vaping. Maybe, maybe, I, won't, maybe I won't be able to, to rock out to, to Tupac. Maybe I'll have to put away my Biggie Small CD collection. And maybe Pink Floyd will have to be put away and I can't enjoy the, the light shows while I'm blazing with my parents. Uh, that's a line from a student this week. I, don't, I just thought I'd throw that in there. <clears throat> a literal student. The Bible says he... He left sad. Why? He was afraid to surrender. Your problem with surrender? Fear. Afraid that he's not who he says he is. We could use anything. A lot of us like to vape. I'm not, that's not true. Let me use something else. <clears throat> Let's say that we are really into getting blasted on Friday nights, right? Um, which means really drunk or really high, which is contrary to the Lord's will and plan for your life. Yeah, respectfully. Okay? Let's suppose, and you're, you're struggling with this as a Christian, Right? Like you're here in the house of God, you're loving Jesus, but on Friday nights, man, you know you're going in. And it's like every Friday night, right? Like it just keeps happening, you know? And again, fill in the blank with whatever your preferred sin is. We're just using this. And I got five minutes, and I'm at point two, sort of. So I want to hurry up. Uh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Let's just say this. Good call. Let's just say this. Let's say that, let's say that I uh, made a proposition. I said to you, I recognize that you like getting blasted on Friday nights. 
But let's just say that I said, I will give you, I will make, I'm offering you a billion dollars to no longer get blasted on Friday nights. What would be your response? Bro, you would be sober so fast. Like, it's not even, got you, bro. Give me the billy, right? Like, bypass the milly, straight to the billy. Rich young ruler, let's go. And the same is true if I said, if you were in a relationship and you really, really were intimate with your significant other and you're not married, right? No ring. And so, uh, slide on by that. Um, and let's say I gave you, I said, you know, a billion dollars. If you will live a life of purity until you're married with your significant other. Would you do that? 100%. Like, 100%, like, let's say that there was a radar, right, that would go off if you violated that. I, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have to lie. If it was a billion dollars that I was, da- you know, dangling over, you know what you would do? You would live a pure life. You would live a pure life because you would want the billy, right? So what does that tell us? The problem isn't your addiction. Your problem isn't surrender. It's belief. You're convinced that if you give that up, somehow God's going to take something from you. But don't you know that if he takes something from you, he's got something better for you? Don't you know that his word is true? Don't you know that his word is true, that he is good? He is your father who only wants good, and he spies out the evil, and he spies out what seeks to destroy you. He spies out what seeks to hinder all that he has planned for you, all of his will that he has preordained from the foundation of the earth for you to walk in. He sees how the enemy is trying to establish pitfalls for you, but you don't trust him. You don't trust him, and that's why you won't surrender. But I come to remind somebody I come to remind somebody with the help of the Holy Spirit that the God that we serve is good and you can trust Him with all that you have. You can freely give to Him all that He asks and all that He requires. That's why I don't believe that this man was Paul. Paul said, I've counted all as dung. i counted all as loss for the excellency of knowing. Oh, Christ Jesus. Oh, what can I do to know you? What can I do to live out this life for you? I'll give it all to you, Jesus. Why? Because you're good and I can trust you. I can trust it if I give it to you. Oh, it's not because you want to take from me. You don't want to harm me. You don't want me to live some backwards, poor, pauper life. Oh, no, God. Oh, you own the cattle on a thousand hill. Oh, God, all that is in the earth is yours, Lord. You spoke the creation into existence and all that I see and all that I enjoy is because of the power of your word that upholds it. I can trust you that you are good. What if I'm not cool? Oh, I can trust him that he's got better than cool for me. Oh, I'm talking about anointing. I'm talking about authority in this earth. And the, the uh, here, I got this example. And I'm, we ordered pizza, so I got to use it. Let me give you this example. This is a, this is, we should have, okay, I need you to imagine with me that there's stacks, right? We wanted to have stacks of the reaper from, uh, from, we didn't. Chris and Brooklyn's favorite restaurant is pizza, is uh, Pisanellas. They have the Reaper pizza. They hate Pisanellas. They said it's like a hot and ready, which I was deeply offended by. All right, I need a volunteer. I need two volunteers. You've been called out. You are, you're a tribute. Come on, bro. You're a tribute. All right. Okay. All right. Come on up, sweetie. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So I got I got a pizza 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 here for you. All right. Do you want hold this? Can I touch it? Is that all right? Oh, you don't care. All right. Okay. All right. Good plan. Okay. Go ahead and take care. Okay. Is ready for this? Okay, I would, uh, you know, it turns out, actually, I would prefer you not to have that pizza. 
Um, can you give it back to me? I think you, that's wrong of you, actually. I gave it to you, right? You should probably give it back. Will you please give it back? No? Because you like pizza? I can tell. One thing you lack. Okay, all right, so you can enjoy your pizza, okay? In fact, go back to your seat. Don't spill the, can you not spill it everywhere, okay? Jeez, be careful. All right. Um, I see you have a piece of pizza, yes? Mm. Well, turns out um, I really don't like the piece that I gave you. You actually picked a different piece. I gave you the smaller one. Can I have it back? Oh, okay. Thank you. You know what I want to do? I want to give you a bigger piece of pizza. Here you go. Why don't you get it? Actually, you know what? Here, let's put this to the side. And let's just take this one right here. There you go. All right. Take a bite. See if you like it. It's all right. Okay. Would you like another then? See? All right. Let me give you another piece. All right. That way you can probably share with your friends. How many friends did you come with? Two? Just two? Wow. I'm sensing tension. One, two, three, two. Three? Wow. Cutting people out. I see a whole row, and I feel like, you know what? I feel like you could probably best bless your whole row. What do you think? Yeah? Okay. So if you're going to bless your whole row, that, what, you know, that you gave back, gave back to me, I actually want to give that back to you, right? And, and, and look, you know, like I gave you the pizza, right? Like I got it, and so I think I have, like, the authority to decide if I can give it to you. And so I'm just going to give it all to you, all right? Now here's what I want you to do, though, okay? Now, if you don't follow my directions, I'm going to take it all back. Okay, so I want you to take all of this and I want you to set it over there in the back by Rosa back there. And then after service, you can take it all. Okay, you can eat those two pieces now, though. But don't mess up. Don't mess up the sanctuary. Okay, so. So look at this. See, we have we have the we have I told you I was going to teach a little bit tonight. Right. So so our problem with surrender is that we fear we fear surrender. We fear that he's not who he says he is, right? And so we think that it's going to cost us too much, and that's, that's his, his other problem, is, is, is our, our, our problem is the same, is that we think that the cost to follow him is, is too great. And so, and I would argue that it's not that it's too great, it's just that we misunderstand the cost, and we misunderstand who he is. And because uh, in reading the passage, it says that, that he says, as Peter's like, hey, we've left everything, and he's like, hold up, Peter. Peter, no one has left mother or father or brother or sister or granny or auntie that they won't have more in this earth. No one has given so much that I'm not going to give back to them in this life and the life to come. What is Jesus saying? If you'll trust me with your pizza, with your one stinking slice of pizza, don't you know that I got all the pizza? Don't you know that I got all the pizza you ever wanted? If you just trust me with your little tiny slice of pizza that I made, by the way, that I purchased for you. If you just trust me and understand the cost of surrender. The cost of surrender is directly tied to the one who owns it all. The one whose will has been established from the foundation of the earth and has put you as the rightful inheritance of what he has established for you. And so if you'll give it back to him, if you'll surrender that life, he says, the first shall be last, but the last shall be first. What is he saying? If you'll but give it to me, I'll make you first. I'll give you everything that you could ask, think, or even imagine. I'm not talking about earthly things. I'm not talking about fleshly things, but things that are aligned with the heart of the Father will become your heart if you'll trust him. If you won't buy into the same lie that this rich young ruler bought into, that the cost of surrender, he looks back at all of his wealth, but don't you know that the God that we serve will be no man's debtor. And the measure that you give to him is no comparison to the measure that he gives back to you. Amen. You can fully surrender your life. Your, your relationship with your significant other 
I promise you, you can walk according to the principles of God's word in your relationship. Why? Because he's got something infinitely better than what this world has tried to feed you. How do I know what he has for me? Oh, he's got a will. But you won't ever know it if you don't dig in. If you don't allow this to become oh, the principles of your life. And you abandon the worldview for his word view for your life. Oh, you can live a life of purity, not just in your relationships, but in all that you do on Thursday night and on Friday night, too, and on Saturday night and Sunday and Monday, too, and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and every other day. And why can I do that? Because he's good. And if he's asked it of me, I can trust. I'm real practical here again, because this is like all in our face. I understand it's free money. And maybe this is too, too practical. I understand it's free money, but last month or this, this month, gambling game has become legalized in the state of Ohio, and you have to be under a rock to, to not have, have seen all the ways that you can win literally thousands, <laughs> really easily. But if something is not, if something isn't aligned with the word of God and I have to step outside of his word for it, it's a trick. It's a cheap substitute. And it will hook you. It is designed to ensnare you. Do you hear me? And so, and so as tempting as it is, particularly with free money, right? For me to download the gambling app, FanDuel or whatever it is, and I know that some of you are like, what are you talking about? Just another example, right? I'm convinced that if I'll just apply the word of God to my life and I'll trust him as a good father, that he'll be my provider. I don't have to, I don't have to find, discover some crooked back door into blessing, into wealth. All I, all I have to do is follow the principles of God's word. And when he asks for the pizza, even though it's really tempting, oh, it looks so easy. If he asks for the pizza, I want to give it back because I know he's got a lot better for me. What about it? How's your surrender? What areas of your life have you had trouble trusting the Lord with? If you'll play, I'll close, I promise. How have you misunderstood the cost of surrender? And how have you allowed fear to govern your surrender? I could, I could walk you through a, a thousand stories in my personal life where I've wanted to be angry at the injustices that have come my way, my wife's way, my family's way, from the hands of the church. But instead of getting angry and bitter, saying, I'm church hurt, take the pizza and say, you've got something better, and I trust you. This should have been me here. That should have been, that should have been, should have worked out different. And that shouldn't have been said here. And, and the way that this worked out and that was not of God. And you have the right to be angry. And maybe bitter. You always have the right to choose. But I choose to trust him. I choose to trust that he is who he says he is. Choose to trust that he is indeed good and that I'm not the one in control. And if I can yield control to the one who's supposed to be in control, it's probably going to work out a lot better for me. It could be that the God we serve knows a little bit more about your tomorrow. It could be that the God we serve knows a little bit more about the one that he is prepared for you and if that's true I can relinquish fear anxiousness mistrust frustration just say God here's my pizza you can have it all you can have it all amen 
I want you right now to think. I want you to close your eyes. I just want you to begin to think. I want you to begin to consider your relationship with our Father and the parallels that might exist with you and this rich young ruler. And I want you to begin to identify areas where you've tried to maintain control. I want you to begin to identify areas where you've allowed fear to be the governor and ruler of your life and your heart and your surrender and mistrust. And I want you to begin to consider the cost, the misplaced cost. There are a great deal of people under the sound of my voice in this room who, if you're honest, you'll say, yeah, there's areas in my heart that have yet gone unsurrendered. There's yeses that I have not given to the Lord that I know that he's asked me for. Can I just, can I just remind you tonight, it's worth it. Can I remind you that you can trust him and that he is good, that he knows what he's doing. And because he is good, and because he knows the end from the beginning, you can relent. And in that releasing comes the peace that passes understanding, comes the joy, comes rest, and comes a fulfilled life. Amen. Amen. So tonight I want to open these altars up. And there are people under the sound of my voice who've not surrendered their heart to Jesus. And if you're honest, you're not living for him. This would be a good opportunity to bring your little tiny piece of pizza and give that to the Lord Jesus. There are believers in the house who've done all that they know to do to run after God. But you need to release control. And there are those that Man, you just had issues. Issues of trust and issues of, and you've lived in this cycle of up and down and in and out. And if I release this and if I surrender her and if I give this, why don't you go all in tonight? Why don't you surrender all? These altars are open. Why don't we move in the name of Jesus from the front to the back? Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.